for sure. 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 Welcome to episode two of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay. And we are coming at you with our first full-length episode. We have a an interview coming up a little bit later in the show with Dan Saracini. He is a writer for Lighthouse, Lighthouse Hockey, which is the... Uh, the SB Nation site for the New York Islanders. So that's going to be pretty fun. That's coming up in a little bit. But first, let's get to a couple segments. First, we have NHL 18 is coming out with a new edition. Well, I mean, NHL, the hockey series from EA Sports is coming out with a new edition. NHL 18 is coming out. Uh, Jay and I have gotten to know each other playing NHL 17 against each other quite a bit. So... I think we should talk a little bit about um, NHL 17, what we're looking forward to in the next game, etc., as well as maybe some other hockey video games. But before we start with that, Jay, I want to do something real quick. I want to see how good your knowledge of hockey history games is, oh boy. or your knowledge of hockey game history is. Here we go. All right, so on three, we are going to say together, so it'll be one, two, three, and then the, then the name of the best hockey video game of all time. There is no discussion. It is a very easy answer. Let's see if you um, – okay. sometimes we're going to disagree, and that's fine. But here, yeah. if you're disagreeing, you're wrong. Well, so, okay, so before you ask this, this is hmm. what is, like, outside of personal bias? Like, even if even if I do have one that I think is best, we had, we, we're saying the one that is actually the best? This is, this is any hockey video game on any system. Okay. The best. You ready? Right. Right. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Blades of Steel. NHL 94. Oh, very good. Blades of Steel. Close seconds. What rocks have you been living under? Really? Okay, all right. I'm trying to remember last time I picked that up. Oh, man. Oh, geez, it's coming back to me now. Oh, no, I I can't even remember the... Can you hum the theme? Peter, take us take a free line. Hum the theme, please. I can't, but I'll put it in here in post so everybody can listen to it. Okay, great. Oh, oh, I can hear it now. It sounds so great. Oh, it will be. Oh, I remember now. Okay, all right. Well, clearly well because if you think say, about it, if yeah, you think I, about it, it, it captures the frustration of being a hockey fan because. Every time you want to play, you never know if you're going to be able to actually play the game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Old I think, school uh, NES. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, we're still talking about an era of um, uh, video gaming that makes you marvel at how they were actually able to pitch this to somebody and they say yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> like. Like, okay, so we want to get fans this this authentic feeling. Okay, great. And then they start playing it. They're like, this is like E.T. It's going to be the greatest video game ever. And then they actually had to end up buy all the rest of the copies and put them in a landfill somewhere. So that that was the era in which this game came out. And uh, I, I got to say, 
I actually really like the fighting in Blades of Steel. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, you know, for, for all the, that I laud NHL 94 for its, like, concussion and then, you know, the pool of blood on the ice, which, you know, congratulations, NHL, and, and the Players Association for actually agreeing on a game that that has that in it. That's just phenomenal. But I actually like the – it just it, it looked like you're playing a hockey game, playing a hockey game, and it's like, okay, so then let's just throw in the Street Fighter programming for when you're fighting somebody. Because you see them, you have a nice little backdrop of – Everybody in the stands, and they're all cheering up and down and stuff. So, okay, all right. Well, I mean, you're wrong, but I, I still think Blades of Steel is cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're wrong. No, Please. I'm just kidding. Um, Blades of Steel, it's just the, you know, there's something for being, like, the first big thing, the first big version of something. And I, I will wholeheartedly agree that the nostalgia factor is somewhere between 98 and 99% of my reason for ranking it the number one <laughs> game of all time. Some, somewhere around there. Uh, I'm not a mathematician. But I don't know. I think it's just because that's, you know, with my generation, that's the first, the first time I was like, I love this sport and I get to participate in it without having to buy a lot of equipment and get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, etc., but for me, Blades of Steel is the classic. So let's go back to what you said, because um, all kidding aside, I do agree that that is a classic as well. So why did you say NHL 94? Why is that your all-time classic video game? My all-time, because much like Blades of Steel was the first for you, NHL 94 was the first for me. Um, I, I I remember I was just getting into hockey at the time. Now, I was I was born in Chicago, and... The Blackhawks at that time were the team that I was introduced to this great game for. So while I am a huge and still uh, resolute and stoic Red Wings fan, uh, I still have to give like some percentage of my fandom to hockey uh, blame to the mid-90s Chicago Blackhawks. Chelios, Roenick, Belfour. I mean, they, they, we're, we're talking a couple of strange bounces and one – drunken bender away from the Blackhawks being basically the pens at that time. Cause I think they easily could have won stuff. So, and everyone knows that the biggest draw from NHL 94 is that you got to play as Ronick because it's not just me. It's, it's Ronick. He, he's good. <laughs> yeah. He, so, he was unfair. He was like the first virtual cheat code that I can remember. And it was one that you didn't have to do anything special for. Like I remember playing NBA jam and I had to enter in like some special, initials to like unlock one of the developer players that they hid inside of the game this was the first one where it was like hey either decide by flip of a coin or best of three rock paper scissors because someone was always going to be like well i'm going to be the blackhawks because i love ronick and then you've got you know the the score every time move the, you skate around the thing down to the circle and you hold a and it's a goal every time and then friendships end peter friendships end because of that game but also friendships are forged so What's also neat is that was the first one that uh, the NHL and the Players Association actually agreed upon to actually have likeness, like team likenesses and logos actually agree because NHL 93 was just approved by the players. So you had every of the teams there, like you had their names, but none of the logos were there, and it was just by city. So this was like the first time where you like actually get to play as the stars that you've been watching. So it was much as you like – you know, for that same reason that you like Blades of Steel, this this was a first in regards to actually bringing the likeness along. Because I don't think kids at that time really cared. 
they just wanted to play hockey, right? But looking back on it, you're like, wow, that was like the first game where an official, it was like in a first officially licensed by both sides of the of the coin that is the NHL. You actually got to have have access to those guys, so that was great. And then there's something about playing. I, I even have it still hooked up in in my living room, and I actually play it sometimes. Just going back and seeing all those rosters, just some the oh, play yeah, the, the the players that time forgot, and you know that that was that was right before the you know the the Wings Av stuff. That was before all of the uh, you know that was like right in the wheelhouse of like the Devils, just just like giving the middle finger to everybody because like we're the Devils, we're gonna win everything. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, is is very good and and nostalgic. Yes, that's that's the same factor as well. So, absolutely. Um, for me, I think the biggest change in hockey video games, and I am somebody who has literally owned every single NHL starting in '93. It was NHL PA '93. I still remember that. I have owned every single NHL game, uh, starting with. I think, I think Sega Genesis probably in the beginning, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Then P- PlayStation Two, then I switched over to Xbox uh, 360, and now I have an Xbox One, and so I have played every version of NHL since it started. And for me, the biggest gameplay change was the introduction of the skill stick, the introduction of being able to use the analog sticks in addition to the buttons. It gives you a, a level of control that is that was missing before where it was just like you're coming in on the goal and you're going to do a deke but it's just an animation and now it's like you have full control you can go forehand backhand and then hold it you can choose when you bring the when you bring the puck back to your forehand etc you can do all sorts of things you can do you know you can still do kind of the manual dekes you know put it off your skate like uh, like Pavel Bure, put it off your skate and back to your stick. And again, Bure hustles after it. He's got a breakaway over the blue line, cuts to the net. What a play! Bure scores! Went off his stick to his skates, back to his stick. That's a practice goal. You only do that at eight rinks, but he did it here, and it's one nothing Vancouver. And in the new NHL 18, the thing that has me excited is apparently now there's going to be combination of uh, new things involving the skill stick. There's going to be a new defensive skill stick where as a defenseman you're going to be able to control your stick to poke the puck away, etc. You know, sweep stick checks, etc. You're also going to be able to link deeks in a way you weren't able to do before. And so what do you think about that? Do you think that that's going to be a a big bonus to to the gameplay? I, starting off with your first statement, I have to completely agree that the skill stick is probably one of the best, like, leaps forward. You know, like, I feel that NHL 06 was probably the pinnacle of the previous way that these games could exist on next-gen consoles. Because I think they reached pretty much the the, the zenith with uh, player movement and preloaded deeks and classic gameplay of just A to shoot, B to check, just your your mom and dad, that that's how the game was played. So um, so when they made the switch over, I wasn't sure whether or not it was going to take off because I was just so used to the previous system, much like anybody else would, right? Hey, I, I've been riding a horse and carriage all my life. Now I'm supposed to just push a button and I go forward? This is weird. So... 
I think it was like 07 that they introduced the the skill stick and there's something now just so satisfying behind winding up a slap shot with uh, with a downward motion and and firing forward doing wrist shot curling the thumbstick around I mean they've just mm. continually added it so my biggest hurdle for me is sometimes uh, I'm a little too set in my system cough cough Babcock coaching creativity people <laughs> cough cough uh, so I want to deke more. Like, I want to learn how to do better at that. So with the introduction of this linking deeks and, and, like, other stuff, I'm just interested in how physically I'm supposed to do that because it all looks well and good. I've watched the video a couple times, Peter, so have you. It all looks absolutely. It all looks absurd. Like, anybody – I feel like as much as we were lauding Ronick for 94, like, if you're playing as Patrick Kane or, or Larkin or, uh, geez, even, even Bobby Ryan, you know, we're talking, like, if, if – this system is going to play into the hands of of the Deke rating. Like, there's going to be some there's going to be some filthy, filthy compilation videos at the end of each month that this game is out because we all know the internet. Everybody's good at video games now, right? And then you have your like your elite level. I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing sunglasses and blinders and I have my headphones on because I'm so focused on trying to execute this one Deke. Like, there's going to be some filthy stuff and I can't wait to kick your ass with them because I'm going to become an expert and it's going to be great. Oh man, I think maybe maybe in uh, an NHL uh, hockey ultimate team, I will buy a second mortgage on my house, and so I can buy the the ultimate Connor McDavid, and then do every amazing filthy thing in the game. But yeah. real, real quick, <laughs> real quick before we move on, in addition to playing NHL hockey ultimate team against each other, we have also uh, participated in the EA Sports Hockey League, which is. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, basically every every player involved in this game plays a different, you know, controls a different player. So, for example, say Jay and I are playing, I could be a right defenseman, he can be the left defenseman, we could be a you know defensive core together. Or if he wants to be center, and I can be wing, etc. And so you can have up to six people on each team controlling each individual player. For this new version, they are going to have they're calling it EA Sports NHL threes. And they are going to have three on three. So I know how I feel about this, but based on your experience of playing EASHL with other real-life people, how do you think this is going to go down? What do you think is going to be the biggest downside that I see with this? <laughs> well, I was always frustrated with the, the EASHL because it was just like your – intramural neighborhood soccer team because everybody went for the puck. Nobody played their zone. Everybody was selfish. I want to score the goal. So that's happening with only five players, right? Mm-hmm. So seeing that it's an NHL And a goalie. And, and a goalie, right? So you've got six. So you've got six people and five of them always vying for the prize. And there's been there was a couple times you and I played where you and I were actually able to connect on some pretty nice passing plays. But then we've got, you know, a couple of a couple of Adam Bankses out there, you know, a couple of a couple of pre-educated uh, Charlie Conways, as it were. Mm. So we we had our work cut out for us. I like three on three, uh, the idea, but I think the immediate problem I see is that uh, bo- uh, being born from this new skill ability with the Deeks, uh, I think it's just going to since there's so much ice, I think it's just going to turn into a breakaway show. I think there's not going to be any actual setup. It's just going to be, hey, who's going to make the dumbest mistake first? Because someone's either going to do a dive poke check and they're going to mess, or some guy's going to just be able to chain together. It's 
it's it's like uh, activating Ryu's uh, Hadouken after like blocking every single Chun Li kick, right? Like it's it's going to be nuts. It's it's, it's whoever's going to blink first, and I kind of like that idea. But if people are, but you know, people are going to be serious playing this, right? They're going to be like, oh, son of a bunch of fart, fart, why'd you deke right there? You should have. Zigged and when he should have zagged. And, uh. I I definitely agree with you. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to turn into a dangle extravaganza. That's yeah. all it's going to be is everybody trying to beat the entire team and then score and then maybe beat the entire team, go back around the net, go all the way back to their zone, and then beat the entire team again before scoring. Just you know, just so they can get their rush. But <laughs> before we move on to our next segment, I got a question for you because I I know what my answer would be, but I um, if you want. You can go first, or I can go, and then you can think of something. Okay. So every year they come out with new new modes, you know, new new features, new things to get people to buy the game. If you could create a new mode or a new feature, anything from you know a different way to play the game, you know, like going from five v five to you know to having the ability to go three on three, or even just like a little small feature change, what do you think you would? you would want to see, I guess we'll say for NHL 19, because you know that NHL 18 is already, are, you know, already done. What do you think? What's funny, Peter, is that you didn't know this, but I've been, I've been quietly thinking about that question. So you're not exactly putting me on the spot because I have mm. one actually quite prepared. I would love to see EA Sports partner with the people who made Rock Band, and I would love to see them come up with a system implemented where in between periods you can actually speak to your team to hype them up so that when they come out for the second period or the third period or even the first period they come out with more energy like a bonus energy right like they they come out flying so the reason why i want rock band to do is because in rock band they had their microphone set up and the only way that you would do well at singing for rock band is because you're hitting certain pitches right so i think it'd be funny if you have your own headset and you're on there and you just have to say a script, but you have to say it a certain way to, like, hit certain vocal points. Like, you know, there's peel the paint off the walls mode where you just have to scream at the guys. And then there's <laughs> gentle encouragement mode where you just have to be like, listen, we're doing all the right stuff out there. Just got to get a better start. Uh, make sure you got your, you know, cover your D. Uh, make sure you get pucks deep. You know, that type of thing. And then it adds just a little bit of a random-ass uh, user-implemented thing rather than just, oh, uh, because – because right now I think the only way you can gain bonus energy is if you, like, participate in the fight. Like, if you win a fight, like, all the lines get some bonus energy. If you lose the fight, like, you get some bonus type thing. So I would like to see a little bit more fun, creative things to kind of spice up the, during the course of a game. I don't know if that would work online. Maybe that would only be for a dynasty mode or even be a pro. But, uh, yeah, I, w I would love to imaginary yell at my all-star team that I've created through – Nothing like yelling at a room that's got Connor McDavid, Bill Kessel, um, you know, Taylor Hall, uh, maybe, you know, maybe the Sedins in there just for some veteran leadership and just yell at them like a fake hockey team. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. What about you? <laughs> for, for a second there, I thought you were going to say, you know, during the intermissions, you can, you know, play like a five for fighting song <laughs> or one of the handful, handful of uh, Canadian rock bands that seem to be you know, the go-tos for playing the NHL awards and everything. I, I don't know because I've, I've only seen about five minutes of the NHL awards one year, and that was enough for me. Yep. So for me, I know exactly what I would want. Now, obviously, a lot of the times we play, we play against each other, you and I. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if you go into, 
you know, I, I like Hockey Ultimate Team. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that mode. And I'll go in there, and you, you know, you go into the league or whatever, and you're going to play against, you know, a random internet opponent. And there is a, there's a well-known, I don't want to call it a fact, but there's a well-known thing, I guess, for lack of a better term, where if the person you are playing shows up in a Montreal Canadiens jersey, for some reason, and I, like, I am not alone in saying this, if you go into the NHL Hockey Ultimate Team subreddit, you will see people talking about this all the time, where for some reason there's a higher percentage, not 100%, but there's a higher percentage of that person being that type of NHL player that you hate to play against, where they score a goal and they keep the puck in their own zone, you know, they just puck rag for the whole game, or they quit, you know, after you sc- you school 30 seconds in and they quit so the game doesn't count. For some reason, there seems to be a correlation there. Again, not 100%. If you're a Montreal fan, don't come at me, whatever. But what I would like to see is what I would call 10-year-old mode. Oh! Because there is there is nothing worse for somebody of my age, a little over 30, um, slightly over 30, of playing a hard-fought game of NHL 17, and at the end, you know, maybe you have a mic connected, you jump on the mic for a second, you're like, hey, good game, and you hear, yeah, good game, Grandpa, and you realize that you have been playing against an 8-year-old. So I would like to see something like maybe like a 10 and under thing where like there would be a notification on the screen. The person you are playing is 10 years old and under so that you can save yourself the embarrassment at the end. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) Now, all of that is hypothetical. I'm just curious as to how they would. I mean, you'd have to pretty much before every game say, how old are you? And then you have either. I would just I would just lie. Like, like maybe if you are 10 and under, like, you get put in a completely different matchmaking playlist, right? Like, oh, I'm 10 years old. Well, then you're you're at the kids' table. Let let the rest of us play. Um, yeah, okay, all right, that's mm-hmm. that's funny. Um, if there if there was one small change I would like to make, as in addition to these changes we actually really want, I would love for the ability to get these Hall of Fame players to be just a little bit easier. Not 100% easier, and I know I'm kind of quoting the West Wing a little bit by saying, you know, like, I don't need it to be easy, just a little bit easier. <laughs> because the amount of time and effort and resources it took to just get one Brendan Shanahan versus, you know, hey, look, people, we're, we're not dumb, right? There is a complete secondary market that exists for EA Sports and their, and their hockey ultimate team. And it's, uh, it's a seedy underworld that I would love for HBO or ESPN to do a 30 for 30 on. But I just feel like if the idea is that you want, like, I don't know where the payoff is because, you're, oh, okay, so if I just play long enough, I get to play as an all-star, or if I just play smart enough, I get, like, the, the skill level isn't universal. Like, if someone is just stupid good at the game or is, and then you're dealing with internet connection and all that, just it, the ability to accrue points, I think, isn't as in, uh, attractive as it needs to be to get to that point where you're just like, okay, so I need, and, and Okay, I would like to, let's say, okay, so Shanahan meant you had to get every single player from your team, the current roster, which meant that I had to go hunting for a Polkanen. <laughs> hmm. uh, you have to have uh, the the all the jerseys that are available for that team. You have to have the arena you play in, I think like six gold collectibles, and then carbon collectibles. And then, and so just as a side note, screw carbon collectibles. That's the dumbest thing that's ever been introduced in the history of, 
in-game purchases. I mean, congratulations, EA, you're already making your million dollars off of it. But for me, I'm like, that's the, this is the dumbest thing ever because then you're just filling all your points into these packs and it's dumb. So, yeah, basically what I'm getting at is I would just love to be able to get to these things a little bit easier. Let's maybe up the drop rate in packs a little bit because if you want everybody to be competitive, okay, sure, you don't want every team playing with a McDavid. I get that. But, like, maybe you could have half of the people playing with a McDavid. Listen, folks, speaking as a guy who plays Pete all the time, he has a Marner, he has a McDavid, and I've gotten none of those guys through either trying to buy one or trying to get one through a pack, all right? It's unfair. I want to play two, all right? Everybody everybody should be able to play. That's what I'm getting at, all right? God, stop talking about it. <laughs> all right, one, yeah. one last thing before we wrap up and move on to our next segment. Just, just for those people listening at home, uh, first of all, if you don't care about hockey video games, I'm sorry, you're probably not still listening, but if you have pushed through, we, we have other stuff coming up. But just real quick for those people who are listening who like the NHL games, if you have not played with Mitch Marner yet, it, for my money, he is easily the best value player because his his regular card is something like, you could probably get it for like 600, 700, it's under 1,000 coins, just his regular card, and you can you can do things you can score from the blue line just he he is just ridiculous i actually bought the the next version up and i'll tell you like it wasn't even worth it i'm just going to go back to the the old one it wasn't worth it Here, there's the base card is fine everything's good with that so anyway if you haven't yet i know it's late but nhl 17 get mitch marner he will change your game it's true folks pete's 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 speaking the truth so you know, congrats, NHL Video Games. You made Marner a thing. Well, now that we've settled the video game debate for the next half hour at least, uh, we move on to our next segment. I don't know how many of you are paying attention to the NBA right now. From what I understand, they are having a roller coaster offseason, uh, the latest of which being Kyrie Irving requesting a trade out of Cleveland, which is hilarious. But I don't think that's the most important basketball story. The most important basketball story is that they've introduced a new – uniform system which basically allows the home teams to decide whatever jersey they want to wear day of and then the other team just kind of either picks their side or picks something that doesn't clash too much with their jersey i actually think that's pretty great so the sweet folks over at nhl SB Nation said that the nhl should do the same and i kind of have to agree with them uh this awesome article by mary clark kind of highlights the arc of how jerseys have always kind of been this traditional, hey, it's home whites, and then the away team has the uh, darker colors, but whites on a white sheet of ice is, you know, kind of tough on the eyes for people. But uh, speaking personally on this, I actually think that'd be great. I miss, I actually miss uh, home teams wearing the home whites. I think that's a great callback to olden, gooden days, if, if that's a term I can use correctly. Sure, um, why not? Yeah, why not? The... Uh, all those photos of the Rangers and the Bruins and the Red Wings and the Maple Leafs and the Canadiens, I mean, just the, the classic home uh, white jersey is is a cornerstone in the sport, and I, I don't really see them doing away with that. But I would love to see them do what the NBA is doing, where kind of at your leisure, you know, let's start wearing some of these alternates, let's start wearing some of these other ones, maybe one of them sticks, maybe then one of them doesn't. Um, with Adidas being the new provider for jerseys now, it's you know, kind of a brand new world of being able to have uh, more options. And I think, I mean, 
logistically, it is kind of funny because now you'd kind of have to travel. So the NBA has four different jerseys now. Like each team will have four different versions. So theoretically, to be safe, they'd have to travel all four of those jerseys. So think about that. Like you're the equipment guy, and now you have to book all these extra bags for – Oh, geez. I, you know, granted, I'm sure the other teams will give them a call. Hey, we plan on wearing this this night. Hey, we wear, we plan on doing this one. So that maybe you kind of jazz it up a little bit per game. Uh, I am totally on board with that. You know, again, it's not my problem. I would love to tune into hockey games and see more variety in, in what they're wearing. I think this has a great opportunity to come up with more, like, throwback matchups. Like, any, it'd be really cool if, like, any time an original six team plays – they're either obligated or strongly encouraged to wear a jersey that is older in uh, historical preferences. Like, hey, like let's go back to – Oh, yeah. Like, uh, the Canadians have, like, 60 of them, I think. But uh, the Red Wings have been pretty stayed, – have stayed the course pretty much for the last 30-ish years. You know, there's been a couple of, you know, the outdoor games. And then I think the – there was the – what was it? The 75 Years of Hockey – uh, patch edition they did you know it's the it's the Detroit one where it's like the red stripes across and and then you know you've seen every waking color combination for the Oilers just this is a this is a neat idea I'm I'm all for this thing I love wearing different jerseys in the, in the NHL hockey games I love seeing what the league can come up with in terms of uh, making uh, putting a new spin on something or uh, killing something cough cough the buff slug you know, cough, cough, the, the weird color scheme for the Devils when they first started, which looking back at those pictures, as a oh, colorblind person, ones. oh, <laughs> yeah, as a colorblind individual, I get headaches looking at those old photos, especially because I, I remember watching the Shanahan uh, 100 Years of Hockey special segment, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, did they not color correct this? What's going on here? The ice is, okay, the ice is white, but Shanahan, like, like they wore green. What is this? And then my eyes start to bleed. So, yeah, I'm all I'm all for this. I would love to see Blackhawk games playing against the Blues, but them wearing you know like 1967 era jerseys. Um, I think leaving it up to the home teams is is a neat idea. Uh, again, my only childish logistic thing is like, hey, maybe give them a call before you do that. You know, let let them let the other team know what they're wearing. That way, they don't show up to the rink and be like, okay. What what jersey are we going to wear today? Oh, they're wearing the blues tonight, so we got to wear the whites. But then halfway through, they're like, nah, they changed their mind. I know that doesn't happen often, but we have seen it when teams either don't travel the right jersey or stuff gets flipped at the last second, and then all of a sudden you have two very similar dark-colored jerseys playing at each other, which is what screws me up when I play you in NHL 17 because <laughs> sometimes I'll pick my red uniform, and then you'll pick, like, a dark color, and then, you know, I, I end up passing you the entire game, and there's nothing like – taking uh, uh, what I think is going to be an awesome pass. And, oh, look, I pa- passed it to Patrick Laine, who's not on my team. So I, I, I'm, I'm for this. What do you think, Pete? You know, for a long time, I, I didn't realize that you knew I was doing that on purpose. And <laughs> by the way, I'm totally kidding. Um, I, I, I don't think I even knew you were colorblind until last week when we recorded the um, the missing – Jersey segment that never <laughs> never made it to air, which was basically Jay ranting about jerseys for at least ten minutes, and then me uh, informing him that I don't really care that much about jerseys. <laughs> but anyway, I think this is a really great idea. I agree with you there. I do agree on the the potential holdup, the potential hangup, the potential problem of. What happens if and going back again to NHL 17 or FIFA? You know, if you played FIFA. 
there are times, especially with with certain referee, the 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 game will say, okay, home team is wearing this jersey, the away team is wearing this jersey, and I'm talking about FIFA. We are going to have the referee wear this jersey, and for some reason they mess up, and the referee wears a jersey that looks almost exactly like yours, and you have to try to remember not to pass to him. It happens in NHL all the time, where I've had. Uh, I've played against players where our jerseys look so similar and it was just infuriating because you don't want to quit. But anyway, I think it would be a really cool idea. I do think that a problem could be logistics. I think there's in 2017 there has to be a way to solve that. Potentially you bring the jersey you think you're going to wear and then you bring maybe a backup. So maybe it's a little bit extra, but I, I, I think it's a really cool idea. I would definitely like to see it. I know for me, um, one of the jerseys I love is the good old Winnipeg Jets, the the white jersey with the old school logo with the hockey stick and the Jets. I just I love that when I play NHL 17. I use that one all the time. I really enjoy that one. But before we move on to our next segment, here's a quick question for you. So now, if you if you own a lot, because I don't own a ton, which jersey, what hockey jerseys do you own? Or let's say top ten, if you own like a ridiculous number. My jersey collection for hockey is 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 decent. I have uh, like five. My uh, I mean, my coveted one right now is a signed captain's Henrik Zetterberg jersey, which is great. I also mm-hmm. have I also have, and this and this is this is my pride and joy. I have. Home and away, Chris Chelios, captain's Blackhawk jerseys. Because mm. spoiler, not really a spoiler alert, but here, here's an insight for me. Uh, Chris Chelios is my favorite hockey player of all time, and uh, working in the Detroit media, I had the chance to actually, you know, like sit at the same table as him sometimes this last season. Uh, there's a the, my my girlfriend likes to make fun of me because apparently I don't sweat. Uh, let's see, <laughs> let's see, let's see her opinion change when I meet. Chris Chelios at some point in the next season because I will have to carry around a duffel bag with an extra pair of clothes. But yeah, the the hockey jersey phenomenon I think is well deserved. We're talking the Griswolds have worn it. John C. McGinley on Scrubs has worn them. The hockey sweater is it's it's legendary, and the fact that I get to own a couple of of them, I, I like I've got ones that span from like CCM era to, to current ones and I actually miss the the baggy versions there's just something about it it just gives you back to that that old like uh there's something about when when Tamu Solani was first in the league and he's just this little guy but he's wearing it's he's wearing a shirt that's like 10 sizes too big for him right but he's scoring like uh, absurd amount of goals right so I think there's something to be said for how cool these jerseys can be. So I, I have about four or five. How many? How many do you have? Let's see. I have I have three Red, Red Wings jerseys. I have a regular Larkin. I have a regular Nielsen that I bought for last year, and I have the red. I forget if it's the Heritage Classic, the um the 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 last special red jersey that the Red Wings had with uh it's a Datsuk jersey. And so Ooh. I really love those. And then going back, a little spoiler for we're going to have an interview coming up with, uh, like I said before, Dan Saracini from Lighthouse Hockey, is I grew up as an Islanders fan for a long time. And so I have some Islanders jerseys, and every player that I got was traded in the next year or two, I want to say. <laughs> so I had a Trent Hunter jersey. Oh, boy. 
I had a Brendan Witt jersey. Oh, Witten. Yeah, and then I had a one of those ones where you put your own name on the back because you can't get traded. So <laughs> anyway, so that's oh, it for jerseys. Oh. This segment went definitely better than the one last time. Yeah. Yeah, we were. I was. I, there was a little too much passion behind the, this mystery segment. One day you'll hear it, and then you'll wonder why uh, why we even brought it up because it's that. So, there you go. All right, and for our first interview segment for for sure podcast, we are joined by Dan Saracini from Lighthouse Hockey. I'm really really glad that we can get Dan on because a lot of people know this about me. If you read Winging at Motown or if you've been following the podcast, I grew up an Islander fan. I was an Islander fan for at least 20 years. We'll probably try to figure it out together. But anyway, Dan, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for making me the the first interview. That's quite an honor. I hope to uh, live up to the expectations <laughs> you've set forth for the podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, just in case, uh, if you're wondering, Jay is doing producing work for the Tigers game. It's running long. If he finishes up early, he might end up joining us, but uh, it's probably just going to be me and you, Dan, and that's totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so like I said before, I grew up an Islanders fan, so let me just ask you this, and like we can kind of share together. What, what's your first Islander memory? Like, 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 What was the moment where you became a fan of that team? Um, well, first of all, before I forget, let me congratulate you on being smarter than the average Islanders fan and getting out when you look mm. good and mm. following another team uh, that, you know, might have had their ups and downs recently, but uh, certainly they're nowhere in the ballpark of the Islanders. Um, you know, I always say, and I've written this a few times in, in a few different places on Lighthouse Hockey, that uh, I don't remember my first game, but when I was growing up, I'm 41, and, and I remember when the Islanders were very much still a part of the community and the sort of communal conversation on Long Island. Like, there wasn't kind of this niche thing that, you know, you were the Islanders guy at your office or that one hockey fan in the circle of friends. Like, everybody knew about the Islanders, and everybody kind of, even casually, just kind of knew what they were doing, knew how what was going on, would run into players out and about in the town. You know, you'd run into, you know, Brian Trottier, the mechanic, or, like, Clark Gilley's wife at the supermarket or something, and, and they were a big, big part of the community. And somewhere in there, my dad... Uh, got tickets from a guy he worked with and uh, I was the youngest and the only boy and you know this going to hockey games is just what you did and so we went and um, I don't remember the, who the game or what the team uh, they were playing was I think it might have been Philly I'm not even sure uh, I do remember in one early game we went to a bunch of games but we went to a lot of stuff at Nassau Coliseum wrestling matches you know Disney on ice uh uh, circuses, that kind of stuff. And uh, but I'm, one thing I remember from one of those early Islanders games was some guy getting really mad at Mike Bossy for missing a shot. Like he had a you know an open look at a goal and, and missed it. And now, <laughs> like looking back, that's the funniest thing in the world because I don't know how many goals Mike Bossy would have scored at that point in his career. But man, if you're getting mad at Mike Bossy, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, how many goals <laughs> you got to score to to get some leeway? People, I don't get it. Oh my God! Yeah, I, I I I think if you're getting mad at Mike Bossy for missing a goal, I think you really yeah. need to recheck your priorities. <laughs> I know for me it was 1992, 1993. I forget, I forget if it was like the first half of the year or the second half of the year. Um, so we're talking the year where you know the Islanders upset Pittsburgh in the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup playoffs. 
it was against Pittsburgh. We were three rows from the ice in the corner. I have all these pi- actually. I'll have to try to see if I can find them. I have all yeah. these pictures of you know Yager and Lemieux and I mean oh man. Yeah. Uh, actually, we won that that game that I went to at Nassau Coliseum. It, it wasn't a playoff game; it was just a regular season game. Right. Um, but man, I mean, just yeah. you know, as yeah, you know, it's it's not good to be that close to the ice normally, but. Right. At least once in your life, you have to go that close. I yeah. know for me, like when I used to go to Nassau Coliseum, we would always go section 303, top row, wow. and, you know, 10 bucks a ticket, you could see perfectly. Like, that was yeah. a great thing about the Coliseum. Sight lines were absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, when I was in college, my best friend and I used to use our student discount uh, to get, like, you know, tickets for 15 bucks or whatever at the time. This was in the, the early 90s, and, you know, nobody was there because they weren't any good. So, You'd get a ticket in the 300s, but by the second period, some security guard would be like, you can come down, you can come down, and they would wave us down into the 200s, and we'd have much better seats. Um, But, yeah, the the Coliseum was a great place to watch a game. Um, You know, there were some seats, to be honest, that weren't that good, and those were the ones we used to buy uh, with those student discount ones. Underneath the the press box area, the Mm. rows were, like, added in the early 80s because they wanted to accommodate as many people as they could. So they, they put all these rows where uh, a concourse was and a concourse is now again now that they've renovated the place and uh it was great that they had all these seats but you couldn't sit there because the space between your seat and the seat in front of it was like two inches so i don't know whose legs they expected (laughs) to sit back there we we used to again fortunately nobody was there so we would hang our legs over the seat in front of us until somebody said hey you can go move someplace else so we would move but uh yeah i have a lot of great memories of the coliseum and uh you know just growing up there again when you're on long island that's that's where you go You, you do everything there Islanders are one of those. Absolutely. So what would you say is your is your best memory of being at a, a live Islander game? Uh, boy, uh, I'm going to say 2002 playoffs, um, Ooh, which was Maple the year Leafs? that they – Yeah, against the Maple Leafs. Oh, uh, yeah. Was it 2002? Yes, it was 2002. Right? It, was, yeah. it was right around then, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get the years all blend together after a while for me. Um, but that was their first playoff appearance uh, in seven years. And they had basically remade over the team with Michael Pekka and Alexei Yashin, Adriana Coyne, Garth Snow, <laughs> Chris Osgood. They had gotten <laughs> on waivers. And um, I was like, I'm not, I'm not missing this game. And it was their first home playoff game in seven years. I said, I'm not missing it. I've been to enough non-playoff games in all, all, all these years that I, I got to go and made it there. And, and I, the final was, I think, 6-2 or 6-3. I believe Pekka had two goals in that game. And uh, it was uh, – the atmosphere was just absolutely insane. I mean, it was like a crazy – you know, when, when you spend years and years going to games watching a non-playoff team, you know, lumber through losses to expansion teams or, you know, teams they, they even they could have beaten or other terrible teams – the difference between that atmosphere and the atmosphere of a playoff game is night and day. It's crazy. And, and that was one of the most insane atmospheres I've ever experienced. Again, they just kept pouring on the goals. And, and that series was a great one. I mean, unfortunately, the Islanders lost it. But uh, that was a really, really great series. I wasn't at the Bates game. I was supposed to go. But uh, a friend of mine couldn't make it, so I couldn't make it. I was living in Brooklyn at the time, mm. too, so it was hard to get to the Coliseum without a car from Brooklyn. Um, but uh, I would have to say it, it's that. I mean, uh, and then – you know, having not lived on Long Island for a long time, the, the games became quite scarce uh, after that period. So I would say that uh, was was probably my favorite memory. Yeah, I mean, for me, I grew up in southern Connecticut in Milford, 
pretty close to Bridgeport, which is you mm. know where the, where the uh, the AHL right. team is now. And uh, like for me to go to a game would, I mean, we're talking two and a half hours round trip. Oh yeah, you know, it was I believe it, it was a <laughs> it was a huge commute. Yeah. Nassau County is one of the most remote places you could ever possibly see a game. And having lived, I've, again, I lived, I moved out of my parents' house in Long Island and moved to Brooklyn, lived in Queens, moved back to Brooklyn. Now I live in New Jersey. And I've been to Nassau Coliseum from all those places, and it just keeps getting worse and worse the further out you go. There, there were no, because yeah. there's no trans, mass transportation there. At the same time, like, I remember, you know, tailgating, you know, tailgating yeah. is, 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 a, is a rite of passage for mm-hmm. Islander games, especially season openers. Right. And, you know, I remember, you know, you would have the younger players who would live at the Marriott, the Marriott Hotel, which is right across the street. <laughs> right. And I remember, like, I would go in, I would be, like, you know, hanging out at the bar, having, a, you know, a pregame meal or whatever, and I'm walking across the street, I'm ready to go to the game, and I'm walking, and Bruno Gervais is walking, like, right <laughs> next to me. You know, so, so I mean, oh, yeah. you know, there's definitely a lot of downsides of the Coliseum. I mean, there's de- you know, I mean, it was pretty terrible in a lot of ways, yeah. <laughs> but... I mean, like, like, like there were some definite really cool things there. Sure. Uh, for yeah. me, for me, my greatest memory of the Coliseum, and I was in the Navy during that uh, that playoff run in mm. 2002. Um, my my greatest memory was I was lucky enough to be able to go to. Al Arbor night, Al Arbor's last coaching oh, wow. night, That's where awesome. you know Ted Nolan, Ted yeah. Nolan was the coach, and he said Al Arbor. Um, actually, you're gonna have to help me on this. He needed yeah. one more game. Was it like right. one more game to break the record or something? Like what well, was no, the deal? He, I forget. He, so uh, I have this game on DVD, by the way, on the uh, ten yeah. greatest Islanders games DVD set. That this is on there because they needed yeah. something you know that wasn't from 1979. Through whatever, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, Al Arbor had coached. 1,499 games for the Islanders. Oh, no, excuse me. Yeah, 1,499 games. Mm. And he had a banner up that said 1,499. And I believe Ted Nolan, you know, he coached the team for a couple of years, and he kept seeing this banner and was just like, why is it 1,499? Why is it not 1,500? And uh, they went to Al, and he, they were like, would you like to just, you know, sign a one-game contract and coach for us? And, and he did. And, you know, that's got up to 1,500. I don't think it, that broke the record because I'm fairly certain that uh, – Scotty Bowman still has the record, and uh, yeah, I think yeah. somebody else may have beaten him now, either Joel Quenville or Ken Hitchcock or somebody's going to either has either beaten him or is going to come close. Um, but, you know, the amazing thing to me isn't, again, thinking about that game, isn't that Al Arbor came back for one game. It's that they won. That was not a good oh, team. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that was a very and, and they were losing. I remember they were losing. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. it was not looking good in, like, maybe right. the second period, I want to say. Yeah. And, and the then, had, oh, yeah. They had Crosby. I mean, they weren't. They hadn't won the Cup at that point with Crosby, but mm. they had him, and, and, you know, they were looking like a pretty good team. And uh, the Islanders won that game. Gerard Gallant was the assistant coach back then. And, man, you never saw players – so happy for a coach after winning a regular season game. And, and even Ted Nolan, like I, I enjoyed Ted Nolan's time with the Islanders and the look Absolutely, on his face yeah. is priceless. Like he's he just so happy because he's so happy because Al Arbor is so happy. And it's just a sort of infectious <laughs> happiness that, you know, again, that, that Islanders of that period rarely ever saw. And it's a really cool game to watch, you know, despite the uniforms oh. that were, were pretty lousy. <laughs> <back then. laughs> the pajama uniforms, yeah. what we call them. 
Oh, oh my God! Oh, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> like the 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 less said about them, the better. Yeah, exactly. I know. Uh, I saw people were talking about like the shade of orange and the Edmonton uniforms. Yeah. Uh, you know the new ones, and I was like, oh, like don't remind me of orange uniforms. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never liked those those ones either. I still still lose a little bit of sleep at night. Yeah. Um, all right, so unfortunately, like, real quick, Jay is not here tonight, so we are going to debut our yearly segment. It's just going to take about 20 seconds. Um, so this is called Rick DiPietro is still being paid by the New York Islanders for <laughs> another 12 years. Right. And that was our yearly installment of Rick DiPietro is still being paid by the New York Islanders. So thanks for that. <laughs> Tune in next year. We'll hear that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, my, my, wife, my wife loved Rick DiPietro, and I, I do have to mm. say I, I do owe – a little bit of a debt of gratitude to our um, favorite Don Cherry impersonating uh, sectorial <laughs> uh, yes. goaltender because you know how it is. You like, you know, you're a big fan of a team. If you're either married or you have a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, like, you know, you want that other person to like the team. And for me, I will say this, that Rick DiPietro's, um, rakish good looks yeah. made it very easy for me to convince my wife to go watch him play. Uh, so <laughs> I, I do owe a little bit of a debt of gratitude to Ricky yeah. Pietro. Um, yeah. And my, I, I, my wife—I I, I was gonna say my, my wife never. Uh, she's never been taken so much with that, but she had never even heard of the Islanders before we started dating. And it was like mm. two months before she stopped saying Rangers, right? And I was like, no, not Rangers, <laughs> Islanders. And we mm. actually started dating during the lockout. So hmm. I didn't have any hockey to talk about at all. In fact, I just completely forgot about the Islanders, the NHL, and everything because I was I had something, you know, had some sure. other stuff to worry about. And this person that wanted to hang out with me for whatever reason. And um, once once we got married, and she ended up watching games all the time, I, I used, utilized a lot of picture in picture on our old TV. So she would watch her show on the big screen, and I would watch the game on the little screen, and. Uh, if you remember that 2011 brawl field game against the Penguins. Um, oh, God, yeah. We, yeah, we watched that. She, I don't even remember what was on the big screen, but I had the other the game on the picture-in-picture, picture and I just kept laughing. And she's like, what are you laughing about? And I'm like, this game has become Thunderdome. I don't know what's going on out there because I, like I can't It's Michael Haley's fighting his third person. <laughs> yeah, but every time I look up, there's another fight or goal. This is, this is insane. And so yeah. she, she and my daughter have come to, who's seven now, have come to enjoy the Islanders. They like the Islanders. My daughter has like a Tavares shirt that she wears to school every once in a while on sports day. And, and, you know, we've been to games and, and they appreciate their fans sort of by proxy through me, but I try and shield them from the daily insanity of what, of what it is to follow this team, you know, and the, the sort of uh, exasperating existence of the Islanders fan by just letting them have, you know, kind of feeling through me that the team and, and, you know, enjoying the games that I do enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, for me, I think it's funny that you say, uh, like you mentioned that game, because for me, I've, you know, back when I was an Islander fan, I would used to try to convince people that one of the most influential Islanders of all time, outside of the dynasty years, obviously, was Zenon Kanapka, because yeah. <laughs> to me, like, you know, I'm a huge analytics fan. I'm a, I'm a big believer in stats, you know, fancy stats and Corsi and Fenwick and all that stuff, but like... At the same time, I, I do feel like there is there is intangibles. You know, there is something to 
you know that like you know like that whole good in the room like I mean I'm I'm a big Red Wings fan now and so I was just so sick of hearing our local media talk about Steve Ott that he's good in the room like I hated having him on the team but like for my money I think the reason that 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 Islander team was able to come back and was able to do something was Zen and Kanopka. Like, do, do you yeah. think I'm on? Do you think I'm right, or do you think that uh, that's crazy talk? No, no, I don't think you're, it's crazy at all. And and you know, I think that it's this is another cliche, but I think that that losing kind of brings can bring guys together. And obviously, people are different. I'm sure there are guys in that room that couldn't wait to not be Islanders as soon as the season was over. But uh, Kanopka really, um, he he was a favorite of mine. He only spent the one year with the Islanders, but he became a favorite of mine when they were playing a game that year. The same, I guess, the 2010-2011. They were playing a game, I believe, in Ottawa. I'm I'm almost certain it was definitely in Canada. I'm almost certain it was Ottawa. And the Islanders were practicing, and and, uh, they were walking past, I guess, the TSN desk, or a couple of commenters were there, and Somebody mentioned something about the Islanders being a doormat, like, you know, the mm. Senators uh, beat this doormat team. And Kanopka, like, confronted them and said, we're not a doormat. <laughs> we're, we're an up-and-coming team, and we're, we work hard. And, you know, we can, we can beat a team in this league. You know, we're, we're going to get there at that point at some point. And I was like, oh, man, make this dude the captain. I can't, this guy, this is the greatest thing I've heard an Islander say in years. Because, I mean, you know, as an Islanders fan, it's easy to get, you know, kind of caught up in – in the malaise and the depression and, <laughs> and the anxiety of, of yeah. you know, where the team is going to go and what's going to happen tomorrow. But here was a guy basically sticking up for them, saying the things that you want to say, but sometimes you can't. And, and he really endeared himself to me at that point. And, and uh, I liked him. And then they didn't bring him back. I don't know why, but I still follow him on Twitter. He's still got that pet rabbit. He still, like, has a wine business. So he's a pretty interesting dude. Yeah, I think for me, like, the big, you know, when I was an Islander fan, like, the biggest decisions, uh, obviously you have many, many decisions that you can talk mm. about, but I think, like, 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 the biggest easily fixable decisions were not bringing back Kanapka and the whole Billy Jaffe debacle. I think that was absolutely ridiculous. You know, yeah, you have one of the best, that. you know, one of the best color guys in the league, and it, it seemed like, I mean, like, this was never officially said, but it definitely seemed like they didn't bring him back because he wasn't going to, you know, blow smoke up people's asses and say, oh, yeah, this is a really good team. You know, he was going to tell it like it was. And, I, you know, I mean, like, for, like for me, like, especially the second one, the Billy Jaffe thing, I mean, that kind of contributed, for me, like, the most to, like, you know, like, they don't really take things seriously. You know, they don't really care. They just want cheerleaders, et cetera. Yeah. But, uh, I, again, it's I, I don't really know. It's such a long time ago, and, I mean, I don't even know if anybody – these days even remembers Billy Jaffe did do the Islanders games. Joe Micheletti did the Islanders games too, and I still don't know why they let him go either. <laughs> Although, mm. uh, you know, once he became a Rangers broadcaster, now I can't stand the guy. I did like him as an Islanders broadcaster. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, you know, it's, again, Butch Goring, um, if you're old like me and you remember when Chico Resch did Devils games, Oh yeah, Butch, absolutely. Butch is his old his old teammate from the 1979-80 Islanders. Um, yeah. They're kind of cut from the same cloth. You don't go to those guys for – analytics discussion or, you know, sort of game within the game, you know, um, talk, and, and you're not really going to learn a lot of insight. Well, you're going to get great stories about, you know, weird weird stuff that happened in the 70s and, like, wearing bad uniforms and, and helmets that weren't actually going to protect anybody and th- that kind of stuff. I could listen to Butch, Butch Goring talk all day. I don't know if sometimes I wish he would give me a little bit more on the Islanders broadcast, but as far <laughs> as, like, storytellers go, man, I love Butch. He's great. Yeah. All right, so 
I I could sit here and talk to you all day, but unfortunately we like you know I, I have a little bit of limited time. But sure. before <laughs> before I let you go, I, I want to do a couple questions from our readers. Sure. Um, so apologies because I don't have the names in front of me, but uh, I, I, well, the first one I definitely know who it's from. It's uh, it's Kevin Schultz. Yes, uh, I'm not friend. sure. Are you friends with him? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He, um, yeah, yeah. So he 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 used to run Islander Point Blank. Um, in fact, one of my favorite Islander memories. I emailed Chris Bada, who used to be the PR guy. He left and he started Islanders Point Blank. I emailed him, and I'm not even joking about this. Like, the timing is impeccable. I emailed him the day that they fired Mike Milbury. And I said, <laughs> at what point can I believe in a just God? And he wrote me back and he said, wait until about 10, p- 10 a.m. or like whatever time the press conference was. And I was wow. like, what are you talking about? And yeah, so, so <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so, so Kevin, uh, Kevin and I are big fan, uh, big, mm. are, are, are really good friends. We went to, um, we went to uh, a Red Wings game last year. We got to see, actually, oh, this is great. We, we sat next to Franz Nielsen's, let's see, his wife's grandfather, I think. Oh, wow. Was. It yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, so obviously, you know, he, he you know, he's a big Franz Nielsen fan. I'm a huge sure. Franz Nielsen fan. Um, all right, so his question is this, and it's a tough one. I, I'll, 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 I can give you a little bit of time to think about this. <laughs> if you can correct one error, see, <laughs> in Islander history, like, it's, it's huge, yeah. what would it be? One thing, if you could correct one thing, what would you do? I, I was actually thinking about this because you, you sent mm. me these questions earlier, so I was mm. thinking about it because this is a tough one. Like, there's so many mm. – that could that could easily be mentioned here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and bring up Rick DiPietro again, and I, I don't mean to say this like I don't mean to be mean about this. Like Rick is a good dude. He's got a great gig on ESPN Radio right now. He does uh, you know some intermission stuff for the Islanders, and and I think he's really found his true calling as a as a sports commentator. Oh, absolutely, and a, yeah, and I like an analyst. Too, yeah. uh, and you know you can't really predict that a guy's going to be have an injury prone career and miss a billion games over the course of his career. And, you know, the thing I loved about Rick the most is that he signed that. I mean, we make fun of that 15-year contract because it was a bad idea and it was a stupid Mm -hmm. thing to do. But he signed that contract because he wanted to stay an Islander, which is not something that a lot of people really wanted to do and Mm -hmm. sometimes still don't want to do. So I give Rick credit for that. That being said, drafting him first overall in 2000 was a huge mistake (laughs) that (laughs) I would go back and fix. Um, You know, the Islanders at the time – uh, had a goalie in their system who's named Roberto Luongo, who is still in the league oh, yeah. and is still pretty darn good. And he was, you know, not an NHL starter at that point. But uh, Mike Milbury, who was the general manager at the time, for whatever reason, I guess didn't think that Luongo had much of a future. So he drafted Rick, and then he traded Luongo to Florida. And the, in drafting Rick, he gave he didn't draft uh, Danny Heatley or Marion Gabrick, who went on to have some pretty oh, good yeah. careers. And, you know, had yeah. Mike, say, taken, say, Danny Heatley, and that wasn't a great draft. Like, I'm not saying that there was a lot of dudes in that draft that they could have taken. But had they taken Danny Heatley, who would, you know, end up have, scoring, you know, 80 points and then 100-some-odd points and, you know, having a bit of a star-crossed career of his own, um, they would have had Luongo. Maybe they still would have had Zidane Chara because maybe they wouldn't have traded him for Alexei Yashin because they would have had an offensive star, star that, you know, could have led the team so i mean that there's the whole domino effect that you know could have happened if they had just kept rick and not drafted rick and kept luongo instead and you know again that, that's one if you ask me tomorrow i might have a different answer for you but that's the first one that comes to my mind <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. So for this one, um, I told you before, you know, I went to an Islander game in 1992-93. My, my dad brought me uh, and my brother uh, at that time because my, my youngest brother wasn't either not born or, like, you know, he's, you know, too young. And so I went with my, 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 uh, my, my middle brother. And after the game, he, you know, he stood outside the, the door with me, and we waited for the players to come out. I was one of two people that got an autograph from Darius Kasparaitis, who was my favorite <laughs> player at the time. Yeah. I, had, I got a Malakoff autograph. I got, I think, I think Delgarno was on the team. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know I got, like, you know, maybe ten people, but I was <laughs> one of the only people that got Kasparaitis. So my dad waited, waited out with me in the cold. Uh, for about two hours. So cool. I asked him, I said, hey, I'm going to do this interview. Mm. What question do you want me to ask? So I'm going to yeah. ask my dad's question. And mm. the question is, when is Snow going to end his love affair with small players? <laughs> I, I can tell, even even without that story, I can tell that the person asking is an old-school Islanders, Islanders fan. Because Absolutely, that is, yeah. that is an old-school Islanders fan type of question. And, um, you know, uh, it's funny because I don't really know if Garth has a, an obsession with smaller players, and if he does, then that's kind of just the way things are going uh, with the league this year. I mean, how many how many big guys, quote unquote, bigger guys, are on the Penguins who've just won back to back Stanley Cups? I guess that's a cliche, but the Islanders aren't anywhere close to the Penguins level at this point. But you know, I'm not <laughs> sure si- size really quite matters as much as it used to. Um, you know, the, that sort of big guy who can like clear the crease. Um, they don't really exist that much anymore. I mean, yeah, okay, Shea Weber's one of those guys, but even he's got his issues. And that big slap shot, you know, uh, covers up a lot of those issues. But um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm a big Thomas Hickey fan. I think he's one of the most mm-hmm. intelligent players in the league. He's the only guy I've ever seen give an intermission interview that actually says interesting stuff, which, you know, goes <laughs> a long way. It's, it's, a, it's a silly thing, but if you ever watch an Islanders game and, and Hickey is the guest at intermission. He's actually he says a lot of really cool stuff. He's got definitely got a career in, in coaching or broadcasting in him. And he's not a big guy. I mean, he's six feet, and, and he's been able to lay some hits on people. Ask Jonathan Drouin about that big hit he laid in the playoffs on him a couple of years ago. Uh, Calvin DeHaan's not a big guy, but he's positionally on defense. He's actually pretty good. He, they still need to sign him. He's an RFA. Um, you know, John Tavares. I, I actually was got a chance to meet him this year, and he's about my height. And you think of all the superhuman things this guy's ever done in his career, and I'm like, I'm looking at him like, how is this guy my size? You know, obviously he's in way better shape than I am, but you know, in terms of height, he's not that big a guy. So I don't. I'm just looking for good players, and if those guys are, you know, five seven or five eight, and they can score like Johnny Goudreau, hey, that's great. You know, if the guy is <laughs> six foot five, and and you know, Garth has taken some guys that are pretty big. They have a guy in Finland who's named uh, uh, Otto Kuvola. Koivula, I believe his last name is. Um, he's a pretty big dude. He's, you know, he's like 19, but he's already like 6'4", 6'5". Um, they've taken other big guys uh, too recently. So, But they've also drafted shorter guys too. Like there's a, a Russian guy uh, named Anatoly Golachev who's, who's pretty short. So uh, I'm just looking for good players. And if those guys are short, then, hey, if there's a, a, a team of midgets out there and the Islanders go on to win the Stanley Cup, so be it. I'll take it. If they're Giants, same thing. So be it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, so one more question, and then we're going to play a really quick game, uh, and then we're going to wrap it up. Sure. So this is from uh, – this one I actually know who it's from because it's from J.J. I don't know. The, mm. uh, you know J.J.? J.J. Oh, yeah. from Kansas? Very much yeah. so. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I lean on J.J. for all of my CBA-related questions because I'm convinced that J.J. is the only man on earth 
who understands the NHL CBA. And that includes <laughs> NHL general managers, the commissioner, Bill Daly, all those guys. Nobody knows that document better than J.J., I am convinced of this. And I lean I, on those articles he's written. <laughs> I, w- I will not disagree on that. I think, I think you're right. So <laughs> here we go. So would you prefer to fight an Anders Lee-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized Anders Lee? This is a very another tough one I thought about. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the answer is a hundred duck-sized Anders Lees, mm-hmm. but that is still a kind of a scary proposition because when he he gets going and he's he's a large man who has you know in fact if your dad is an old school Islanders fan he probably loves Anders Lee because this is the dude that plays sort of old school style where he just stands by oh, the absolutely. net absolutely yeah and and the and the pucks just bounce off of him and it's a net and that's a skill i mean he's he's good at that and he's great at deflections and and clearing space and he uses that large body to make him you know to allow him to score goals um but when he gets down when he gets flying down the down the ice he's one of these guys that never has his mouth guard in properly so it's always sort of hanging okay. off the side like Patrick Kane does that a bunch of other guys do that hmm. and uh it's frightening honestly like we see these pictures sometimes and I'm just like what what is he doing <laughs> it's just very strange <laughs> so uh you know I would I would not want to fight a hundred foot tall Anders Lee but I guess a hundred you know whatever duck size Anders Lee's would be better but they would still be pretty scary I mean I don't know if I would win but I would <laughs> take my chances all right so um here we go. We're going to do a quick game. Now, like I said, you're our first guest. Um, we're, we're hoping to do this game with future guests. Obviously, we have to hope that they don't listen to the podcast because otherwise <laughs> you can kind of cheat. So, all right. So, no, no notes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have not talked to Dan about this ahead of time. He has no idea this is coming. Nope. So, Jay and I are both huge fans of Conan O'Brien, you know, mm-hmm. the, the you know, late night with Conan O'Brien. Sure. And one of his famous absurdist sketches was in the year 2000. Ah, so uh, for this game, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to try to drop in the theme and post because <laughs> I don't know. I think fair use allows you to use maybe 15 seconds, but just in mm. case, maybe in the future we'll check on that. So if you're listening at home, just pretend you hear the theme song in your head, the really <laughs> high-pitched one. So for this, like I said, no notes, no Google, no anything. So in the year 1999 and 2000, right, so that season, mm-hmm. what I want you to do is to give me the top ten Islander scorers. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my now, gosh. This is yeah, the 99-2000 season? or 99-2000, yes. Okay. Now, if you um, – basically, if you get one right, you get a point. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, you know, obviously, you know, John Tavares wasn't playing, but let's say, you know, John sure. Tavares – you know, was the number one score or whatever. Um, so you get one point. Now, you can also wager a little bit. Now, I'm not sure if I would do this if I were you. Right. But you can also wager a little bit, and you can say, I know who the first scorer was or the second. You know, you can you can do a rank. If right. you're right, you get three points. But if mm-hmm. you're wrong, you don't get those points at all. So oh, wow. if you say John Tavares is number one and you're right, you get three points. But let's say he was number two, you get mm-hmm. zero. Like, you don't get credit for him. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to do any of the daily double. I, I would not if I were you. <laughs> um, especially since I, I could probably name about five guys from that team. So, so let's see. Um, okay. Definitely one is Mario Strakowski. Okay. Oh, do you want me to say them all, and then you could tell me if they're right or? Uh... Um, well, you know what? I will tell you as you go. Mario Strakowski is in the top ten. Okay. Good. Uh, Tim Connolly. 
Tim Connolly, yes. Taylor Pyatt? Let me see. Taylor Pyatt, no. Really? Okay. I don't, I don't even are, see him on the list. They, they were both traded for Michael Pecka, so I wasn't sure if Pyatt, Pyatt had played. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm looking. I don't see him on the list yet. Okay. Uh, Dave Scatchard? Let's see. Yep. That is one. Okay. Um, Kenny Johnson? Yes. All right. Okay. So, so far you have four correct and one wrong, so you still have five more guesses. Okay. Um, At the end, I'll tell you, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, Ziggy Palfy was not there, so he was gone. Trevor Linden was also gone. Jeez, uh, let's see. Oh, Ole Jokinen? Yes. Okay. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> he, was, he was number nine. Oh, really? Oh, wow. She just got him in under the water. By the way, uh, this team was absolutely terrible. Oh Ole Jokinen had 21 points. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't that much. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. if you had asked me that number, I would have said it was more like in a team somewhere. Um, yeah. Let's see. Jeez. I, mean, see. I already said Johnson. I don't even remember what defensemen were on that team. Um, was Barry Richter on that team? He was not a, a big scorer, though. Barry so. Richter. Way down He's not in, like, the top 26, which is on my list. So, By the way, so, um, yeah. 26, just in case you're, wor- just in case you're wondering, mm. Steve Webb. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, uh, Mark and, uh, That is a name. I'm was sorry, what? Was Mark Lawrence on that team? Uh, let's see, Mark Lawrence. Yeah, he was, but he was okay. 24th. Oh, okay. That was the, yeah, that was the, so year, one, bottom, two, the year before. Oh, yeah, two more guesses. Like, yeah. Yeah, two more guesses. The year before, Mark Lawrence was really good. Um... Oh, man. Let's see. Yeah, this was an absolutely terrible team. Um, Miro Shatan wasn't on that team, was he? No, that was later. Never mind. All right. So, so I'm done. No worries. Now. No, uh, no, no, no. I, 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 I will not count that. Okay. Oh, all right. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, see. let's see. Funny thing is, I wrote for the Islanders at this year, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember uh, – you know, right at the time, who, who was on the team? Oh, Claude Point. Mm-hmm. Was on that team? Yeah. Claude Point was number four. Yeah, so you oh, got one wow. more. Uh, one more guess. You, you're already you have six points already. But Claude Point was number four in scoring. That's really bad. And, uh, yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and guess. I don't know if he was still there, but I'm going to guess Robert Blackman. <sighs> that, that name is a blast from the past. Um, uh, he is not on there, okay. unfortunately. Okay. He was um, around that time. Anyway, so that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Six out of ten. Now, um, <laughs> let, I'm going to give you one hint because I think you'll get one of the people that you missed. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a phrase that I always used to hear is, a tie is like kissing. Uh, what, your sister? I don't know. <laughs> yeah? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Travis? And Brad? Brad Isbister. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he was number two. And you yeah, know what? Yeah, he was number two. I was so – can I get a half a point? Because they acquired Brad Isbister in a trade for Rob Reichel. So I was kind of sort of almost thinking in the same direction, but I had the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'll have to talk to Jay. We'll have to, uh, you know, judge it together. But anyway, so so one to ten, here we go. Marius Tchaikovsky with 70 points. Wow, 70 yeah, points. He was a good player. Uh, <laughs> Number two, Brad Isbister. Number three, Tim Connolly. Number four, Claude Lapointe. Number five, you actually almost guessed this one, Jorgen Janssen. Ah, yeah. yeah. Number six, Josh Green. Oh, okay. Josh Josh Green, Green, not Travis Green. I don't don't even remember Josh Green. 
Dave yeah, Scatcher is number seven. Mm. Kenny Onsen, eight. Ole Jokin, in nine. And number ten is another defenseman. You want to take a guess? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> defenseman for that. I mean, it wasn't Chara. Or maybe what? No, was it Daniel Chara? Chara was on the team, but he was 16th. Oh, all right. Yeah. No, it was so Jamie Heward. Jamie Heward. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a tough one. Like, I don't even know who I would I, – I don't even know how many of that I would have guessed. <laughs> I, I might have gotten, like, one or two because I, yeah. I don't think I would – like, I would have known Janssen. Mm. I don't even know if I would have known Tchaikovsky was on the team then. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I, I definitely remember well, him. Ch- but Tchaikovsky had a, a really interesting career with the Islanders because he was very, very good. The problem was once they got better and other people started to get the puck, uh, he wasn't as good any, anymore because he, you know, he he took advantage of the fact that he was the only guy who could score a goal, and and he was actually <laughs> yeah. very good for very very nice guy. We called him the Polish Prince. He's the greatest yeah. Polish hockey player of all time. I mean, the the competition's really not that uh, stiff, but uh, he's up there basically in terms of scoring. I think he has the like, uh, like... <laughs> the most the most points ever scored by a Polish player. Also, was married to uh, an actress named Isabella Skorupko, who you may remember from Goldeneye. So he was married to a bomb. Oh, really? Which is kind of a, yeah. yeah that's a, that's a pretty uh, significant uh, achievement right there. So there you go. It's like in uh, Airplane, the uh, the Jewish sporting lessons uh, pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan, for coming. Let me just make sure I have this right. If you want to, if you want to follow Dan on Twitter, he is at Culture of Losing. Is that correct? That is absolutely sure I'm getting that right. Yes. <laughs> All right, yes, so that's culture of losing. I know after listening to this discussion, I, I'm sure you can't imagine why that's his, his handle. <laughs> but um, ask me all the thanks. Time if I'm going to change it, you know, if the Islanders start to win, and I'm always like, you know what, I'll, I'll worry about that when that happens. And probably not, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I'm not going to worry about that yet. Yeah, but um, thanks a lot, Dan. Really appreciate it. Really glad you could be our first interview, and uh, thanks for coming by. No, no problem. Anytime. Good luck on the show, and uh, yeah, let me know. I'd love to come back on anytime. All right, next up we have some mailbag questions. So first of all, thanks to you for, to the people who have sent them in. In the future, you can send them in. We'll always have a an article on Wing It and Motown. Also, if you want to go on Twitter, it's at 200FootPod. It's 200, the numerals, and then F-T-P-O-D. You can send in questions for us there. All right, so first of all, we have from the, the Wing It and Motown site mailbag. Here's the first question from Grandma Flarkin. Always makes me laugh. I love that name. Do you think the Blackhawks made the right moves to be contenders again? Or is their prime really passed and they will be a la the Red Wings 09-12, or sorry, you know, 2009 to 2012, where they are always in discussion for contenders, but not really there. And then he adds at the end, please, God, let it be the latter. <laughs> so, Jay, do you think that he is he has to pray very hard to his deity of choice to make this come true? Or do you think that this is the way it's going to turn out? Based on the loss of Hosa, which, again, we can have a shady conversation about that later, uh, and letting Panarin go. Uh, I don't think he has to pray that hard. I think I think we've I think we're going to be living in another golden age of of the Blackhawks being uh, middling, which I'm totally fine with. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think objectively, I I think I, I like I like Taves as a player. I like Kane as a player. I like Seabrook and you know like I can I can objectively heap praise on them. But uh, I don't I don't I think 
they suffer whatever team suffers. The the core is getting a little bit smaller and and, and a lot older. And you, what they won three cups over like what seven years, right? Something like that. The the first one was like 2010, and they mm-hmm. yeah. So like over like the five or six years, they won three cups. I think they've just you you become tired. I mean the the rate of tiredness hits everybody differently. I I have to admit, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they made stuff to keep them close to being over the hump. I think they did stuff just to keep themselves in the conversation. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too worried about them uh, because we all know now that uh, the NHL doesn't care about the Blackhawks anymore. They care about uh, McJesus up in Edmonton. So you know, that's, it's, that's, that's the way the wind's blowing. What do you think? I agree. I think, uh, I think I said this last time. I think that the, the sun has set on Chicago's Stanley Cup window for the time being. Again, like you said, Hosa, I think that's that's going to be a big blow. Obviously, it's going to help their cap situation, but I think it's going to hurt them as a team. Their, their top defensemen are getting old. I mean, Keith is still good, but you have their, their other defensemen that are, that are either getting old or, or not really able to do what they need to do. Losing Panarin's going to hurt. Now, to be fair, Brandon Saad is a very good player. He's not the same type of player as Panarin, but Brandon Saad is a, a very good player, and you know you can you can make the argument that it's not anywhere close to like let's say you know Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson type you know mismatch in in skill there, but at the same time those moves did not really do anything to help their cap space. Now again, obviously Hosa is going to help with that, but the moves didn't really seem to make much sense. Maybe they knew at the time, you know, Hose is not going to be able to play, and so they weren't really worried about it. But I think definitely, like you said before, Taves, good player. I I do think he's overrated. I think he was a big part of their Stanley Cup Stanley Cup winners. So at the time, I don't think he was overrated. Uh, but I think in terms of you know, for example, him making into the NHL top 100, I think was an absolute joke. Uh, yeah. Easily over <laughs> like. Jonathan, or Jonathan Taves is in the NHL top 100, and Evgeny Malkin is not, which is enough just right there to tell me that that list is not worth the paper it's printed on. But anyway, so Taves, Kane, obviously, Kane is an excellent player, not an excellent human being, but yep. that's, you know, I think you can you can kind of put that aside and say that you don't like him, but you admire his skill. Like, you know he's going to contribute to the team if you're trying to evaluate the team objectively. But I, I think at the end of the day, I think I think Chicago has, is past its prime. I think they're going to have to tear it down, blow it up, and move on. Uh, next question. R. Sizzle with an exclamation point for emphasis. You got to have Who's, the exclamation point. You got to have it. Exactly, right? Who's going to win the Atlantic Division next season? All right. Now, you answer the last one first. Do you mind if I take yeah. this one? Oh, no. <laughs> go for it, buddy. <laughs> all right. So first of all, um, for those those listening at home, if you don't have the statistics in front of you, let's just run down the top. You have from the top to the bottom, Canadians, Senators, Bruins, Maple Leafs, Lightning, Panthers, Red Wings, and Sabres. That's from the top to bottom last year. For me, I I don't know if I'm going out on a limb but I am going to say Toronto. I think Toronto makes a massive leap forward next year. I think Toronto is going to be a contender. I think they are going to win the Atlantic Division. And I think that the second place team 
is going to be Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay is going to have a bounce back year. Now, this has a little asterisk. It's assuming this Stamkos plays the majority of the games. It is not injured for most of the season. I think that the Lightning are going to do very well next year. They still have almost all their top players. They traded Druin, um, but the young defenseman that they have to play with, uh, uh, Sekarov, he is going to be very good. He is going to be very helpful on that blue line. Adding him to a blue line with players like Hedman and Strahlman, and then having players like Kucherov up front along with Stamkos, they're going to be very good. I do think they're going to be neck and neck with Toronto, but I'm going to give Toronto, Toronto the edge based on their depth at forward. What do you think? I'm looking at Ottawa getting into the number two spot, and I, I look at that, I'm like, man, I, I would like to think that maybe Ottawa could do uh, all of us a solid and just completely unseat any original six team or any of the expansion teams from uh, uh, being the number one in the Atlantic. Because, I mean, it's been 10 years since they since the, I think they won the conference. So I, I'd like to I, – I have a burdening hope that it could be Ottawa, but I actually am more realistic and agree with you. I think it's going to be Toronto. I think Maple Leafs are going to – just in terms of experience, man, I mean, that, that's kind of what you want a little bit. Or When, when Babcock was, was coaching the Wings and, you know, you get to that point of bringing young guys in, you make the playoffs, you get a taste, but you still get shown the door, right? Whereas, like, Toronto, I just feel like they they were able to get that experience, I think, right at the right time. I think Matthews is going to mature a lot. Marner is going to mature a lot. Nylander is going to mature a lot. I, I just feel like Toronto's just missing just like a stone cold lock goalie, right? Like mm. I feel like that's the only thing they're missing because I think their defense is pretty solid. You know, it's obviously not something to be, hey, this is uh, you know, this is a team to watch out for. But I think it's solid it's enough. It's pretty good uh, though, I think. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, again, I'm I'm still there's a small bias here because you know I hate the Leafs, but yeah, I think their defense is pretty good. You know, any any other defense that's not our our home team is obviously going to look amazing by comparison. So, you know, good good for them for being uh, gifted in, in on the blue line. So I think all they're missing, and I don't know what that market is for them. I don't know if they wanted to go out and do that. Maybe they just rely on offense and just their defense playing uh, just like a, a, a degree higher than, than where they're at. And then, you know, hey, make the stops when you can. But, yeah, I think I think Toronto's going to make going to make it uh you know really tough to uh have anybody else get past them you know hey i i would love to see tampa be uh, i mean i think that would be a cool race toronto and tampa i mean you've got uh, you know stammer v austin i think that's that could be our own personal ov sydney rivalry I, i think that could be a fun thing to watch um but what sucks though is that they wear this basically the exact same jersey, so it looks mm-hmm. it, it just it just looks like a scrimmage, right? <laughs> like uh, yeah, uh, shirts and skins, you you guys are good. So yeah, I think it's going to be Toronto. And uh, by the way, just just so people don't uh, don't send me angry email or angry Twitter uh, Twitter messages, I, I I said I said Sekarov, I meant Sergachev. All right, and our last question comes from Twitter. All right, let's see. Darren Ramey, so at Darren underscore Ramey, R-A-M-E-Y, if you want to talk to him. He asked, why do you think Yager hasn't been signed yet? Anything outside of age? Where do you predict or where would you like to see him go? What do you think about that, Jay? I'm kind of kind of ambivalent. I don't really have too many strong thoughts. I mean, I'll come up with something, but what do you think? As a super secret uh, mega Yager fan, I'm a little sad and disappointed that 
we are this close. I mean, granted, yes, it's the end of July, and there's still another month to go. He'll, I mean, he'll probably sign with somebody, but I just, I, I, I hate to see him not get uh, instantly snatched up because uh, I think the man's a warlock because mm-hmm. the ability to be have this much longevity is great, and I, and I know that's like sort of the age question. So I, I, I'd like to think that uh, he's going to go somewhere where they need. Um, you know, I, I I hate character signings. I really do because, uh, especially the way the game is played now, with you know speed and skill and just how fast the game has moved up. I mean, it's like everybody complaining of either having a uh, you know a Cleary or a Bill Guerin on your team. It's like, yeah, he's there. He's a great guy, but like you you hope that nobody undresses him, right? And then you're you're it's a it's a one on none going the other way. So um, I like I, I like Yager a bunch. And I think I think his his, his skill set is uh, very much useful in the current uh, atmosphere of the NHL. I, I still think he's a phenomenal passer. I, I, just in terms of his shot, I mean, I think he's still got a phenomenal eye for for just sniping some stuff, passing people, and so I think he's got great hockey sense. I I think as much as we don't want to have age be the reason we talk about, it, I think it in combination with age just his his greatest strength right now i think is his weakness because of his longevity and stuff i think too many teams are like think he's just in this like really weird gray zone of like okay so is he going to be able to skate is he going to be able to score right like obviously the older somebody gets the the more skeptical everybody gets right all these all these pictures that that they're posting of yager now is when he's got his full gray beard and not when he's got you know, clean shaven and he's growing out his mullet again, right? So I I think that there's something to be said for I, I think he's good, but I think all the other teams are just so frightened about obviously term could be a good deal, right? Like if it's like, hey, Yager Well I mean we he's gotta have... be looking for a one year deal. I mean there's no yeah, way there's there's no he's gonna be like, hey, yeah. let's give you more than one. I mean it's gotta yeah. be a one year deal. I mean if, if if it's if it's two at maximum because it's like the number is just right or something or like like hey like if he goes to the pens for a year just as like a farewell tour or something right i like i if i was going to put him on an upcoming team i would like to see him on that's probably dropped his stock tremendously so you know i i I think that it's time for yager to get on the horse into the sunset but i'd like to see him do it you know, with either one of the teams that he spent the most time with. I mean, I feel like, a, you know, a farewell half season in New York could be fun. You know, I, I would love to see him get traded to every team he's ever played for in succession this next year. Like, he signs with the Penguins, and then before the deadline, he just changes hands, right? A couple of farewell games, and then the deadline happens, and then he's then he's then then he can just do whatever he wants. So hmm. what, do you, what do you think? I think what's going to happen is he, Shane Doan, Jerome Gimla, and – they're going to rent out Joe Thornton, and they are going to make Las Vegas 2. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. So <laughs> rather than play this year, he is going to chase his dream of another job in which you get to interact very closely with supermodels, which is yep. something that he is legendary for. Yep. Um, I think he's going to make a transition into acting. But if I'm wrong about that, I think, I mean, you have to look at it like the – what he wants to do and I think what some teams might be able to do could line up maybe is 
it would make sense for a team that is close to their window, that has cap space, maybe take a gamble on him because if he doesn't work out, okay, you just don't play him. Yep. I mean, a team like like San Jose, maybe? San Jose seems to have enough cap space to add him. Um, maybe a team like Tampa might want, you know, might be able to give him a one-year, you know, couple million dollar contract. I think they can fit that under their cap. It looks like they're at 22, 22 players signed with 3.2 million left. So, you know, maybe they give him a shot. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I do think it I says a lot. Gets, I think if he gets Tampa, though, doesn't that complete his set? Because didn't he play for every team on the Eastern, on the Eastern seaboard? Because he it played for Florida. Be. He's played for Boston. Uh, he's played for Washington, Washington. right? Uh, he's played for the Rangers. Hasn't played for the Islanders yet, right? That's true, yeah. Played for the Devils. Uh, played on Pittsburgh. Uh, has played on Philly. You know, that's whatever. So, yeah, I think he just needs Tampa, Toronto, and uh, the Islanders to complete the, the complete wet, uh, east side of the country here. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, all for, I'm all for that. So, Tampa, Toronto... Islanders, if you're listening, you have a tremendous opportunity here to be part of something truly special. <laughs> having a having a player play for at least close to half of the entire league, so that way maybe we could stop talking about it. <laughs> all right, so that is the end of our mailbag segment. Thank you so much to all our listeners. Um, you guys gave us a lot of really positive feedback after the first one. Hopefully you're going to like this episode. This is going to drop on July 24th on a Monday. We are going to be back on our normal two-week schedule. So two weeks from then, you should be expecting the next one. Go on iTunes, give us a like and a review and all that fun stuff. I don't know really if it helps, but I know that I hear a lot of podcast hosts say it, so I'm just going to copy them. Also, if you go on Twitter, like I said before, you can follow us at... 200 that's 200 the numbers then ftpod 200 foot pod you can follow me at p flynn f-l-y-n-n uh, two n's hockey and jay i don't remember your twitter off the top of my head so what is it yeah some friend you are okay I so know. if you want some of my nonsense uh you can follow me at the roar underscore 24 i just want to uh, say really quickly that i think it'd be really neat if pete and i uh just agree that every episode of this podcast should end with one Mike Doc Emmerich superlative. So I'm going to say this week's episode, the, to close this, uh, Doc Emmerich uh, squibs it. That's your, that's your, that's your, we, we, we squib this one. We squib this episode, Pete. <laughs> you right. do a waiver night. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, there you go. All right. See you. For sure. 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 For sure, for sure. Yeah, good game, Grandpa.